Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Tuesday. What a show we got for you. What a crush of breaking news that has been breaking out all across Washington today. The crypto king has been arrested and charged in the FTX scandal. A major breakthrough in science that could have long lens impact on the American economy and energy independence. American scientists at the Livermore Lab creating the first successful fusion energy experiment where you actually create more energy than you use to create the energy. This can be life-changing to the energy industry of America. It's 10 to 20 years out, but it is an innovation of American significance. And we're going to have the latest on that as well. And then so many other things to get going on. Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson raising some concerns about the new special counsel investigating Donald Trump. We want to touch on that. And we had some really great conversations in the last 24 hours. Abe Hamaday was on yesterday about his lawsuit in Arizona. We're going to bring you an interview with Carrie Lake that has some really interesting details from her lawsuit about what she has discovered from whistleblowers about Maricopa County, the largest county in Arizona, Arizona in general. Yes, the Arizona election drags on nearly a month after, actually more than a month after voters casted votes. We're going to get to all of that in a few seconds. But first, let's get you to the lineup because we've got a great lineup for you today. Starting us off, he's a legend in the football world, the former Auburn University college football coach, now U.S. Senator from the great state of Alabama. Tommy Tuberville is going to join us. He's been working on some major things involving the Pentagon including an effort to reverse the Biden administration's new plan to open up abortions to all military members, basically create an abortion tourism industry inside the Pentagon. We're going to have him talk about that. He's taken the lead on fighting China and some of the aggression that China has had in stealing intellectual property, being aggressors in the Pacific. We're going to talk about that. And he was among those to get into the NDAA legislation, the National Defense Authorization Act, a provision that prevents future military members from being ejected from the military if they object to taking the vaccine mandate on religious grounds. All of that Senator Tuberville has done. This is our first time having him on the show. I'm really looking forward to it. And of course, we'll get also his reaction to the tragic news last night that one of college football's great football coaches, Mike Leach, passed away after a heart attack. Mike Leach was a big innovator in college football 
particularly bringing the aerial game to new heights in college football. He was a friend of Senator Tupperville, and we'll be able to talk about that as well. Then we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll go to Victoria Coates, former Deputy National Security Advisor of the United States under Donald Trump. We're going to talk about that major fusion breakthrough that the Lawrence Livermore Lab announced this morning. Really a scientific earthquake in the world. America in the lead on a major, major energy invention. But we're also going to talk about Ukraine and Russia, the Brittany Griner deal. I think a week later, we're beginning to understand exactly how consequential giving Victor Boot back to Russia was. Victor Boot now saying he wants to go to Ukraine. He could be the chief procurement officer once again for Vladimir Putin's military of death. We're going to talk about that with Victoria Coates. And then we'll throw to that interview we did last night with Carrie Lake. So you can find out from Carrie Lake directly what is going on in her lawsuit. Some pretty explosive revelations, some court hearings going on today and tomorrow on those lawsuits. We're going to have all of that for you in this show today, back to back to back to back right away. That's important stuff. Before we get to the commercial break, though, let's take on some of the headlines because it has been a crazy busy breaking news day. Let's start with what happened about four or five in the morning. Two things happened. First, word that Sam Bankman-Fried, that big, lavish living Democratic donor who ran the FTX cryptocurrency firm that collapsed so spectacularly, he was arrested and charged, arrested in the Bahamas at his fancy home and charged with securities fraud, a major, major criminal case, the Enron of the crypto era. A lot of people are saying we had Ralph Norman, Congressman Ralph Norman on the show last night talking about Bankman Freed. I think you're going to hear some more about that today. But that arrest kept Bankman Freed from testifying as he was going to before the House Banking Democrats today, House Financial Services Committee. But somebody did testify, the man who succeeded Freed as the head of FTX. And what did that new CEO tell Congress? FTX had absolutely no internal controls. Absolutely no internal controls. What does that mean? It means that investors were harmed by very bad policies while Democrats got enriched by this now fallen CEO Bankman Freed routing money to Democrats, taking it from the hard-earned investors in his company. That is a story getting a lot of attention today. Meanwhile, a lot of people are beginning to understand this Jack Smith special prosecutor a lot better. We did some great reporting on it at Just the News last week, two weeks ago. Senators Grassi and Johnson, well, they said that today they sent a letter to Garland saying, hey, the man you picked, he's wrapped in overtly political connections that are going to take away from any credible decision he makes in the investigations of Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago at January 6th. A lot of concerns that uh, Attorney General Garland picked the wrong person on the Republican side. Further politicalization of the Justice Department issues just all over the place, whether it's censoring Twitter, Russia collusion, now uh, Jack Smith and his history as a partisan prosecutor, at least according to Republicans. That is a very important story that is going on in the news as we speak right now. A lot of headlines that we've got you covered at justthenews.com 24-7. A lot of breaking news. A fun story that occurred overnight by my colleague Aaron Kliegman, who does such good work for us, concerns that journalism, news organizations, are working with Democrats and bureaucrats 
to silence legitimate concerns about election integrity, silencing election integrity in ways that a lot of people, I think, are concerned. We should have the right as Americans to raise questions about our government, our government systems, our election systems. We may disagree, but the idea that you can be silenced by and not be able to raise valid concerns or even invalid concerns in a free speech society, really growing the situation in Michigan caught a lot of attention with the Democratic Attorney General Dana Nessel threatening to arrest people who show up at hearings. A lot going on on that front. Read that story. It's a very thoughtful story by my good friend and colleague Aaron Kliegman this morning. The headline is, Concerns Mount Over Media Government Quashing Election Integrity Efforts Through Intimidation. Pretty fun read today. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, Senator Tommy Tuberville from Alabama on the front lines of a lot of the big battles inside the woke Pentagon over abortion, over recruitment, over vaccine mandates, over the battle for world supremacy between China and the United States, a battle that many feel we're losing in America right now. Senator Tuberville going to bring us up to speed on that. Then we'll turn to Victoria Coates and we'll finish up with a great interview we did last night with Carrie Lake, back to back to back on this edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Very excited to have this next guest on the show for the first time, a legendary football coach who's now making his impact in Washington as a member of the U.S. Senate from the great state of Alabama, Senator Tommy Tuberville. Tommy, great to have you on, sir. 
John, glad to be here. Look forward to talking with you. It is a great honor because you are taking the lead on some issues that other people have shied away from, particularly in the issue of abortion tourism inside the Pentagon. You are fighting on the front lines to try to stop this new DOD abortion policy. Tell us a little bit about where that fight stands. Well, we've been fighting it for several months. And at the end of the day, basically what this is about, it's about the Pentagon playing uh, members of members of Congress, you know, they think they were elected officials and they're not. Um, so what's happened for years, John, we've had uh, a uh, policy in the military that abortion is OK as long as it's rape, incest and health of the mother. And we've averaged probably 20, 25 uh, abortions a year in military that's 2.1 million people and of course a lot of women now are in the military which is awesome uh, but we found out a few months ago that uh, the uh, military and the pentagon were going to make changes with this well we uh, asked for a briefing and we couldn't get a briefing we kept asking and kept asking and finally we said hey we're going to put a hold on your noms nominations if you don't give us a briefing so they woke, they woke up and smelled the roses, and we got a briefing a couple of weeks ago. And uh, uh, lo and behold, uh, they told us the truth. And they're getting ready to drop a uh, new policy that they've changed. It's been there for years, which they can't do. It's federal law. Congress has to do it. But they think that they, they can do anything they want in this administration. So what they're going to do now is they're going to allow abortion on demand. Uh, they're going to transport uh, the... Uh, soldier to any state they want to go to, and then they're going to allow dependents of that military personnel to have abortions. So we're going from having 20 a year on the average, John, to 4,000 a year just for military personnel. Now that's not counting the in, the dependents of the of the military personnel, and so it's going. To be- that was a stunning figure that you were able to get out of that briefing. I mean, that is a massive growth. It is unbelievable, and so they're bound and determined to do it. And and I've written a letter to uh, Secretary of Defense uh, Lloyd Austin and told him, "Now listen, the last time I looked, you didn't run for Congress. You've been appointed. We make the laws over here, and uh, do not drop this uh, in the next few weeks during the holiday season." Which John, you know that's what they, they're going to do. And I said, if you do this, I will hold up every nomination, uh, civilian and flagship officer, uh, until you explain to me or retract uh, this policy. And, uh, you know, the one thing a senator can do now, you can stop the wheel from turning. And uh, I hate to do it, but you they are not allowed by Constitution to change this law themselves without running it through Congress. So, uh, it is very expensive. They can't even tell us the cost of it. And so it is just absolutely amazing. This is just another thing, the, you know, the border, everything they can't. We have got no control of this country right now, and they're trying to control everything. But I'm telling you one thing, I'm going to control their nominations if they don't give me a, an answer of why and uh, how we can do this the proper way. It's pretty remarkable, Senator, and you've done such a good job of describing the executive overreach that this administration uses. They create a student loan cancellation program without any authority from Congress. They're going to make a change to a federal law without going to Congress, just do it through executive fiat. 
the idea that the administrative state trumps Congress, which is completely contrary to what our founding fathers built this country on, seems to be endemic to almost every approach they have. At what point do they realize that this power is not theirs to have? I mean, the court, Supreme Court has begun to take it away, but there seems to be this misunderstanding of the balance of power that our founding fathers gave us. Well, they, they got a, a huge injection of momentum a couple of weeks ago after the election. And they saw that, and, I, and to, I, for the life of me, John, I can't believe the American people that's been watching what's going on in two years turn around and voted these people back in power, especially in the Senate. Uh, uh, it's just, I, I guess people are feeling comfortable with money in their pocket, and we've flushed six and a half trillion dollars out there in the last year, and, and everybody thinks everything's hunky dory. But, folks, I'm going to tell you something. We're, this country is in trouble. And, uh, when all this money is gone out of the savings accounts of the people across this country, uh, there's going to be a huge awakening. And again, you go back to looking at the fossil fuels. You can't run, John, this country or this world without fossil fuels. It is impossible, but these dingbats can't figure that out. But they're still trying to sell it to the this woke agenda all over this country, and people are buying into it. But uh, it, it'll, it'll come to to uh, an end uh, soon. I don't know when, but uh, it might have to go all the way through this next two years of Biden's term. But it's uh, it's scary to me just watching it every day. Most people don't see it like I see it. And I'm just an outsider coming in looking, going, you have to be kidding me. We're running this country by the seat of our pants. And we got people that just destroying the Constitution and not doing the things that the people really should be doing to make this country stronger. You've given some amazing speeches on the energy dynamic and what Joe Biden has done in a very short time to take us from energy independent to energy codependent on bad actors. You uh, introduced legislation a little while ago, the American Energy Independence Act of 2022, really important legislation that puts us back on a path towards independence, which, by the way, is, is a national security issue. What sort of engagement do you, are you getting among your colleagues in the Senate on that very important idea? Well, at the end of the day, John, we all know on, 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 on the Republican side and even a lot of the senators uh, on the Democratic side understand the problems that we're getting ready to have um, with uh, an energy shortage. It's going to get worse and worse. Even Joe Manchin come out and he's trying to do permitting to a certain level, uh, you know, opening things up. But I'll tell you, it's just it's we're, they're trying to put a square peg in a round hole. And it doesn't work. I mean, it's not ever going to work. I mean, it, you, you can't make it work. So uh, we're trying to do everything we can to put priorities out there for uh, energy uh, to be, be cranked back up again. Because, uh, you know, we have to be energy independent. President Trump got us to a point where we didn't have to uh, hang our hat on other countries. And uh, the, the problem that we're going to have going into this cold winter is we're going to have people in this country that are going to die because of, uh, not enough money for heating oil, or, or they're going to die of starvation. They got to make a decision through this inflation of which, where they're going to spend their money. But you're even going to have a bigger problem outside our borders, if you can call the borders uh, anymore, uh, uh, over in Europe and places where they just. I talked to some people in Europe uh, from some of the Senate, high uh, up in the Senate in some of the European countries, that they have two to three months of, of, of uh, heating oil left, and uh, they're going to run way short. And so. We're in a tough situation, but the Biden administration, they just they kind of sit back and go, you know, it'll work itself out. Well, it's going to work itself out all right, because uh, eventually uh, people are going to wake up and smell the roses and 
we're going to run these people out of office. But I think we're going it's going to be too late in a very short period of time, and we're going to have to learn the hard way. Yeah, and Europe is the harbinger. They take all the policies. They've had the same policies that Joe Biden's implementing, and you now see where Europe left itself in an extraordinarily uncomfortable position. And we're on that same course unless we wake up soon. That's why your legislation is so important. Another thing that you championed, you got into the NDAA, the elimination of the vaccine mandate, which threw a lot of good men and women out of our armed surfaces. Got to feel pretty good that that was a pretty big victory for the everyday fighting men and women of our country, right? Yeah. You know, we, we got a little bit of it in there, John. Yeah, there's there's it's not retroactive, as you well know. It, does, it doesn't go back and re- reinstate the 10 or 20,000 people that we kicked out. Our military, we're short as we, as we speak. We're short on a lot of things. Now, I will say this. I found out yesterday that some people are being reinstated. Reinstated, I'm talking about Navy SEALs, certain type of airline pi- uh, pilots for some of our jets that we don't have enough of. Some, uh, some people that are very uh, prioritized to what we need to protect this country, but it's only a few. Every one of them should be given the opportunity and back pay to come back to the military, start wherever they're at, and uh, be forgiven for anything. Uh, it, it, it was an, it, it, this whole thing has been, they, 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 they took advantage of a tough situation through COVID and through a lot of different things, John. They just, they wielded power over all of us uh, through education, uh, through the vaccine, and they they got that power and they they've thrived on it and they hate to give it up. But hopefully, you know, in this, if we do get the NDA passed the next few days, uh, the mandate uh, will be stricken down. But again, that doesn't say when we get it done, they can come back because Joe Biden knows how to do an executive order. And that he does. Yeah, they can start it over again. Yeah, oh, such an important dynamic. We have to constantly keep an eye on combating China. You've been one of the most cogent voices since you joined the Senate in getting people to see the clear and present danger that China has imposed on our country, whether it's intellectual property, Pacific aggression. It seems to me that some people are beginning to wake up. Mark Warner's belated acknowledgement that TikTok is a threat, kind of uh, stepping on Joe Biden, but acknowledging it now. There are some really important developments. And of course, you have important legislation to ban CCP members from obtaining B1 and B2 non-immigrant visas. That's a big, important piece of the puzzle. Do you feel a little bit of a shift in the Senate and in Congress that maybe people are waking up now? Well, to some degree, John, not a whole lot. I mean, again, the the Democrats, they fall in Pied Piper line. You know, they're all going to vote together. And uh, uh, I I think they're going to have a tough time of separating themselves from some of the things that uh, they should be separating from the hard left, uh, you know, the progressives. And some of them hopefully will see the light in the tunnel. But as you said, TikTok and all these things are going on. President Trump tried to get rid of it. I know in our state recently, uh, our governor banned TikTok with government employees. But, you know, our kids are running around talking on these things. And uh, the, the China is going straight to China. They get everything that we do here. And uh, that's not the only thing. We, we, we uh, Our intellectual property here goes straight to uh, to foreign, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, dignitaries or whatever. And it's just plucked all throughout China. Yeah, it's amazing. 
it really is what's going on. And one of the programs that the FBI created to root out Chinese spies and influence in our academia was shut down by the Biden Justice Department. So a tool was taken off the capabilities of the U.S. intelligence community this last year. Uh, another place we had uh, Governor Christie Nome from South Dakota on. Of course, she had a TikTok ban pretty quickly on state devices. She's taking the lead on China farmland. You have legislation, companion legislation in the Senate. The idea that Chinese would buy up our agricultural capabilities, kind of scary. We know what's going on. Does that legislation have some opportunity to advance? Well, we're going to keep pushing it, John. Uh, China is infiltrating everything we have here. Uh, Twelve years ago, they had 10,000 acres of farmland in the United States. Today, they have 360,000 and and growing. And uh, if they are, and Joe Biden's helping because our farmers are in trouble in this country because of the price of diesel and fertilizer and high cost. They can't make a living. And uh, he's pushing them to sell. And of course, China's, uh, uh, you know, they, they're welcome to come They're They're welcome them themselves to come over and take advantage of that situation. I was telling people here recently, you know, we've had this FTX problem with, with cryptocurrency, with the exchanges. And, and uh, you know, we all found out how, how terrible that is, but, you wait and see what's going to happen. China is going to be marching in here and buying our exchanges in this country. And uh, they'll, then they'll be controlling our monetary policy if we don't watch it. So anytime they can get a handle of something in the United States, they're coming our way. We are so far behind China in, in a lot of different things. We, American people don't realize it. You know, we, we, we consider ourselves number one in everything. Folks, we're not number one anymore. We have set back. We've hit ourselves in, in and put blinders on, and China has just taken off and ran right by us, whether it's space, whether it's ships, whether it's, whether it's uh, uh, fighter pilots and fighter, you know, the training that they do. I mean, we we would have a tough time right now competing against China uh, in the situation that we're in. Yeah, you're, you're right. How difficult is it to make this case and to create the sort of alertness and awareness that Americans need to have when you know the president's own son, Hunter Biden, was involved in facilitating China trying to get natural gas assets from America to their uh, sensitive military contractor out of Michigan Hennages, and he got transferred to China. The Biden family was kind of in the leading edge of those elites that have helped China gain ground on America. Kind of hard for people to grasp that and realize that the man in the White House right now, actually his family was facilitating some of China's gains. Do you think people are picking up on that? And does it meta your message at all to know that we've got a president in that position? John, it's, 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 it's going to be a hard sell uh, over the long haul because we don't have access to the mainstream media. I mean, you're not going, you're not going to get the big three TV stations or a lot of these, a lot of these cable stations to get out and really push the fact that we have a president that's con- compromised uh, they they were definitely making money uh, off of influence from Hunter Biden. It's what he's done over the years. Uh, you know, we've read it all through through the context of from the FBI, from the DOJ. Uh, they look like they're all compromised, and we can't get the the first base on this as 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 uh, Republicans of trying to get anybody to look into it. Now, you've had congressmen like Adam Schiff that have been lying for four or five years about this Russia collusion. I've got information. I've got proof and all this. They just lied their way through this, knowing that they just tried to push President Trump out because they could not stand him because he was bringing down their agenda. And uh, it, uh, uh, it it's just sad to see the, the lies that go on up here. And, and again, the mainstream media just falls right in on them. And 
and pushes those lies. And uh, it, it makes the Republicans and President Trump and the former administration look like they didn't have a clue what they were doing when had more control in the last in the in President Trump's uh, uh, time in office than any time in, in many, many years. And so but it again, again, it was not their agenda. It wasn't they didn't have control. They weren't didn't have power. And that's all these people up here believe in, John. They believe in power, controlling the lives of American people. And if we don't get control of this, if we don't get control of it. It's going to get worse and worse. I don't know uh, if two years uh, we're going to have the opportunity to even be able to work our way out of it. I don't care who's elected president in the next administration. Yeah, we're in a deep hole already. That we are. And you're one of the few voices that are every day out there, sir, reminding us of the dangers in the self-inflicted mistakes that we're making in our country, allowing our enemies to jump ahead of us. I want to finish with something. I know you lost a good friend from your earlier time in football. The loss of Coach Mike Leach is devastating. Such a terrible tragedy. Your reflections on his legacy and, of course, your friendship with him. Yeah, I grew up in the business with Mike, and you know, it's a small business. Uh, and it, People think it's large, but it's really not. And Mike's been a head coach for a long time. Actually, when I left Auburn, uh, Mike got out of coaching for a few years and I took his job at Texas Tech and uh, he did a great job there. He just, he's an icon in the business because he did things so much different, uh, but was successful there. And he, I think he showed people that, you know, there's, there's more than one, one way to skin a cat. You know, you, you can do it different, uh, differently. And uh, he, he had a lot of imagination and uh, won a lot of football games. And it's just tragic that, you know, something like this would happen. And, Again, we don't know the full story of it, uh, but uh, again, it's he's a it's going to be a huge loss to to uh, college football and and a guy that really brought the imagination and changed football from from a, a running game, which was uh, you know 15, 20 years ago you ran the ball 80 percent of the time, to Mike Leach came in and we started throwing the ball 80 percent of the time, it made it a lot more fun. So I hate it for his family. Our prayers go out to them and. Everybody in the family, it's just a tragic loss. You were an innovator as well in the football space. Now you are in the political space. Any predictions for the college football playoffs? It's going to be a fun January, isn't it? Yeah, I enjoy watching it. Uh, in the Final Four, and you got, uh, you know, Georgia's by far, I think, the best team because of defense. And that they've, they've got all kind of players on defense. And you win championships with defense. And so uh, somebody might sneak up on them and, uh, and outscore them. But I, I think it's going to be very hard to beat a well-coached Kirby Smart defensive team, and and uh, but uh, should be fun to watch, John. It sure will. Well, another thing fun to watch is you in the Senate stirring things up, not accepting the status quo, making sure that Americans' voices get heard in that uh, story chamber. Great honor, Senator, to have you on the show today. All right, John. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well, sir. Thanks so much. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Victoria Coates, former Deputy National Security Advisor to Donald Trump to the United States on Russia, Ukraine, the big giant announcement by the Lawrence Livermore Lab that they have succeeded in a major fusion energy experiment could be life-changing to the world, to the United States energy sector. We're going to cover all of that with her in a second. And before we go to commercial break, it's important to remember all the great partners that we have in our John Solomon Reports, Just the News family, advertisers, sponsors, strategic partners, all helping us to make a difference in one of those are the folks who sponsor the ffcourse.org 
gun safety training. Southeastern Fish and Wildlife Agencies, they're doing some great work along with IHEA, which actually sponsors the ffcourse.org shooting courses. If you want to build muscle memory in your Second Amendment, you want to be a safe shooter, you want to be skilled, you want to have the best storage and shooting practices, go sign up today to ffcourse.org. Get online, take one of these courses I did. They're amazing. You're going to come out a better, safer shooter, a better advocate for the Second Amendment, and you're going to be able to pass that gift on. Also, it's a great way to give a gift. It's an inexpensive but great gift at ffcourse.org. You can give it as a holiday gift as well. Check all that out today at ffcourse.org. All right, quick commercial break. Back with Victoria Coates in a few seconds right after these commercial messages. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. 
All right, folks. Welcome back from the commercial break. So excited to have this next guest on. Every time she comes on, she helps us make the world a little bit more understandable, as confusing and as turbulent as it is today. She's the former Deputy National Security Advisor of the United States, Victoria Coates. Victoria, great to have you on the show. Thank you, John. I want to start with the big trade last week. WNBA star Brittany Griner, we're glad she's home. We don't want any American not on U.S. soil uh, against their will. But the idea that we're going to trade the merchant of death, one of the most dangerous arm dealers, who, by the way, now is bragging he wants to go to Ukraine. Did we get a good deal on this one? It's it's really a shameful deal in many ways, you know, with, with your same caveat that, of course, we're glad that Britney's home. This has nothing to do with politics. I'm sure she and I would disagree on a number of things. We might agree on basketball, uh, but she's an American and she deserves to come home. The problem is that, you know, the administration has now for 10 months, we're coming up on the 10 month anniversary next week of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. And we are going to be bumping up against a hundred billion dollars of U.S. aid to that war effort. Uh, pretty quickly. And so, you know, the overarching, given the sort of general human misery being inflicted on Ukraine by Vladimir Putin, the expense to the U.S. taxpayer, the pain people are feeling at the pump, you know, for all these reasons, I would think the key strategic goal of this administration should be to end that war on favorable terms to Kiev and Washington. Now, what he has done, what the president has done by handing over Victor Boot, and he's a bad hombre. I mean, we looked at his file uh, during the Trump administration, is he's given Putin his chief procurement officer back for, for arms. And one of the things that made Boot special was he has his own fleet of airplanes so he can fly this stuff around clandestinely. I mean, were we going to see these planes going into Tehran and picking up drones and taking them to Ukraine? That's perfectly possible. So, yes, the president brought a an American home, but at the same time, he undermined what has to be a key national security objective to keep America and our allies safe. Yeah, it has a long tail consequence. It isn't just a trade for one day. Victor Boot back on the battlefield or in the merchant game is got long-term consequences for the United States. It's pretty remarkable. As that plays out, I've been trying to game out and understand this war between Ukraine and Russia. Who is winning? Who's not winning? What is propaganda versus what is real progress? Could you give us your best assessment of where both sides are? Obviously, Ukraine's made some significant progress, but is there some secret progress that Russia's making that maybe we don't see in our media? Where, where are we in that give and take of the war? Well, I think I think the Russians are trying to intimate that that they're doing better than they are. Uh, the military folks on on our side that I talk to think that the Ukrainian effort is really pretty impressive. We spent a lot of uh, time and energy training them during the Trump administration. Uh, that has paid excellent dividends. They were very prepared and nimble with the, the new systems that we've been sending them. And, you know, my issue all along has been, you know, I don't like Vladimir Putin. I think he has finally bitten off more than he can chew here. Uh, his previous incursions in 08 and 2014-15 were much more limited. And he was able to kind of blur the situation and claim he was he was just re- retaking what was historically Russian territory. And everybody kind of accepted it. But in this case, he's really overshot. 
And so if we can end his aggression in Europe and the threat of an escalating escalating conflict that, God forbid, would involve a NATO country, I'm pretty interested in, in winning this war. And so... My issue with the administration is is they have been very timid uh, out of their concerns about escalation, about actually giving the Ukrainians what they need to win. And then you go into a negotiation, but you go in from a, a position of strength. Right now, it seems to me they're trying to, to sort of manage a stalemate and pressure the Ukrainians to go into a negotiation before they have that leverage. And my worry, John, is that then you and I are going to be having the same conversation in five years time when, God forbid, you know, he's tried to grab a Baltic state, which is a NATO member, and it would involve us. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very important point. And that's that's the threshold with NATO that everybody is watching so carefully. As we look out over here, Ukraine has some long range weapons that it has been careful not to use thus far, but if it has the offensive now, if it is making some gains, do they have the temptation to use those longer range weapons and inflict more embarrassment, more harm on Putin during the winter months? That'll be very interesting to see. You know, I I think, I think that will be obviously a military calculation. Do they think they can do enough damage uh, that his internal situation will become increasingly precarious. One other thing, you know, I've been arguing for, as we've been talking about the energy aspect of this of this crisis is, you know, to put the really crushing secondary sanctions onto Russia that would, would bring that economy to a halt. We had that opportunity in April of this year as, as the original sanctions went on and he was starting to run out of, of, of literally hard currency. You know, that is what's going to really give him domestic problems. And that's, the, in, in a way, the nuclear economic option that we have. It's dangerous and difficult. I'm not saying this is something one would do lightly. But in this case, if it could uh, complement a Ukrainian effort to actually end this thing, I think particularly for the Russian people, for the Ukrainian people, that, that would be the most desirable outcome. Uh, but that obviously nobody wants this to escalate. We want to bring it to a conclusion. We just have to get Putin to a mindset where he sees that ending the war is his his least worst option. Yeah, that's right. That's how it has to actually be perceived by him to make this deal. How do you read his internal grip on power inside Russia? Clearly a little bit more outspoken criticism than I've seen in a long time under his reign. Is he reading the tea leaves internally and realizing he's got some limits there? Yeah, I mean, this, th- there's no way to sugarcoat this. This has gone extremely poorly for him, you know, and, and the sort of hero's welcome he got after Crimea in particular is, is not forthcoming in this case. And I think as it drags on, you know, as more and more families are impacted by it, there is increasing unease. And, and to go back to Victor Bout, that's, an, that's another reason this was a horrible deal for us, because Putin can claim it domestically as a huge win and offset some of that, uh, that unhappiness. And look, you know, the Americans basically bowed to us and handed us this great victory. We are, you know, we are strong on the world stage. And it's hard to argue with that. I mean, they're right. <laughs> uh, and so, so that, that is another problem with that deal, but you know you do have a bad situation for him, but you're you're giving him an out, not forcing him to to stop this and not do it again. 
That is the real dynamic we have to watch. I think a lot of Americans don't realize how Putin turns some of these things around in his own PR propaganda internally because we don't see a lot of it. But he's a master at turning everything we do into something that's a win for him internally. And so it's interesting to watch how that's going to play out over the next few weeks. I want to turn just quickly to Saudi Arabia. There is some Republicans who are coming into the majority in the House. They want to look at whether there was a quid pro quo to get Saudi Arabia to delay OPEC cuts until after the election. If that were to be true, if a president simply asked the foreign power, hey, delay this until after the election, in light of everything else that we have seen over the last couple of years where government gets involved or seems to be involved in elections, whether it's censoring the Hunter Biden laptop or other stuff, would that become a real problem for Joe Biden if House Republicans can prove the request was made by the president? Well, it, it should be a problem for him. It's really embarrassing. And it, it is a stark uh, revelation that they don't see energy as a commodity that that is an essential part of Americans, uh, Americans' daily lives. They see it as a domestic political I- issue that they just need to adjust either by doing backroom deals with producing nations or by releasing unprecedented amounts of oil out of our strategic reserve, putting us at risk. Uh, and, you know, it is perfectly possible to coordinate with the Saudi on, Saudis on energy issues. We did it in the Trump administration when we took the Iranian exports to zero, and we did it with barely a blip on of energy prices, which was amazing, but we did it because we worked with them, but we did that openly. Uh, and, you know, so we're going to take these actions to encourage, you know, we're different systems. We're a free system. They're a cartel. But, you know, we are going to take these actions to encourage produ- production domestically. You know, our guys will sort of naturally respond to those incentives. And they, you know, they have more of a switch where they can say, okay, we've got 10,000 barrels here. And, you know, they can be refined in this Chinese refinery. You know, they, they have a sort of easier time. But it, as we found, it, it really did work, that coordination. And so that's how you do it. You don't ask for some political deal. And that's, I think, why the Saudis won't play ball with them, because they understand energy markets. And they see the, the, the releases from the strategic reserve as a gimmick. You know, they see this as a political trick. That's not how you how you run a business. It's kind of ironic that the Saudis are more free market on this issue than Americans are right now, manipulating <laughs> the market. It's sort of, who thought we would have gotten to that moment in world history? I want to finish with something that broke on just the news about five this morning, the extraordinary announcement of a scientific breakthrough on fusion, a new form of potential energy. A lot of hype about it, a lot of excitement at this moment. Your thoughts about it from a geopolitical perspective? Well, as, a, as an art historian, John, I think I'll, I'll steer away from the, the technical aspects of this. Uh, just note, <laughs> <Me> too, <actually. laughs> note for your listeners, <laughs> yeah. you know, that this is essentially the, the, the process that fuels the sun. Uh, and, and so it pro- has, and it's been around since the 50s, the concept. We've never been able to harness it. It is basically an unlimited, waste-free, carbon-free source of energy. Uh, so in a way, it's the answer to all of our energy prayers. Now, what has happened at Livermore uh, National Lab is real. There was a, a breakthrough a couple of years ago. This is a continuation of that work. My understanding is that there is now significant private sector investment in this process, which there wasn't before because it seems sort of pie in the sky. 
but that is also fueling the breakthrough. Uh, my understanding is we're 10 to 15 years out from actually starting to, to produce this fuel. Uh, so it's not going to solve all of our woes tomorrow, but my, my thought on it, and I'd like, I'd like to get, you know, some additional conversations on this going is, you know, why are we, as the Biden administration, we trying to force a conversion to less dense, less reliable, renewable energy sources, all of the components of which have to be sourced from China? The, you know, solar panels. Such a great point, right? Yeah. If that doesn't make sense to me. Why wouldn't we double down on this where we in the UK control this technology? I think we should treat it like the hydraulic fracking technology that our private sector has very carefully guarded uh, in recent decades. That can be done in a way to keep it out of the hands of the Chinese and, and not put our energy security, you know, at their mercies. Uh, that, that this seems to me a real strategic potential, you know, leap forward for us and our allies, and it would be great for the world. But it's something we have to guard as a national security issue. Oh, yeah. You know China's going to want to learn everything that we have been able to <laughs> use our ingenuity to. You know, it's kind of interesting because this fusion experiment really accelerated during the Trump years. They don't get credit for it. And obviously, when, you know, the final breakthrough occurs on, on Biden's watch, of course, the president in charge allows to do it. But uh, nuclear and fusion energy were really a focal point of the Trump energy department in this Innovation, you know, once we harness it and we're a decade or more away from that, it really is a transformer. It really is a reminder that all of our problems aside, we're still a pretty amazing, innovative country in America, aren't we? We really are. And that's the good news. We know countries like Russia and China actually stifle innovation. They're scared of it. It's, you know, it creates uh, unexpected consequences. But I was talking to my my dear old friend, uh, the former Secretary of Energy, Rick Perry, this morning about this, and and he is so excited about what it means for all the folks at the department who you know who have been toiling for low these many years, uh, and you know the kind of attention it will bring to you know to the United States continuing to be a leader on the world stage on energy issues. And so I think I think this is this is a great day for America. It's a great day for our allies. But it's also, I think, a welcome opportunity to revisit what I would see as a very uh, dangerous current Green New Deal type of approach to our energy security, which may now just be unnecessary. Yeah, that's right. We may have bypassed the solar wind and, and electric vehicle thing to an entirely different sphere of energy production. Pretty remarkable moment. Victoria, it's always an honor to have you on this show. We always get wisdom and the world always seems like it makes a little more sense when we're done talking to you. So thanks for the time today. A lot of fun to have this conversation. Really appreciate it, John. Take care. Have a happy holidays. Thank you so much. All right, folks, we're going to wrap up with a quick conversation with Carrie Lake. A lot of interesting details. She approached her lawsuit on election integrity like she approached her journalism career with methodical detail. Carrie Lake going to give us the goods on what whistleblowers are telling her about what went on in the Arizona election a month ago. You don't want to miss that right after this commercial break. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Just last week, Arizona Republican gubernatorial nominee Carrie Lake filed an explosive lawsuit in Maricopa County Superior Court contesting the results of the 2020 election that was held last month between her and then Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs. And she joins us now to talk about some of the blockbuster revelations of that lawsuit. Carrie, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me, John. I want to start with something, because Arizona's whole system relies on the idea that you can verify a signature. Your lawsuit really puts the lie to the idea that signature ver- verification is being taken care of or taken very seriously in the state. Tell us what you found from the whistleblowers. Well, that's the most important security feature we have for mail-in voting. And mail-in voting, of course, is being pushed. Even though a lot of people are resisting it, they don't think it's secure. And this shows that there are major problems with it. We had three whistleblowers from Maricopa County reach out and say the system is flawed, seriously flawed. The three levels they have to determine if a signature is valid or not, they were throwing out tens of thousands of signatures saying they were scribbles, they in no way matched. But somewhere between there, and the ballots being completely tossed out, they got looped back into the system and counted as if they were fine and they had no flagging done. And they laid it out how that happened, how somewhere between being flagged as a bad signature and going into the curing process, which would mean phone calls or emails to the actual voter to see if they wanted to come in and verify their signature, It wasn't happening. There was a disconnect there. And the three whistleblowers said that they believe that a a second level manager was pushing these through these rejected ballots, pushing them through as if they were approved. And we did some calculations and we believe that up to 135,000 ballots were pushed through that should not have been pushed through. We're asking a judge to let us take a look at all of the envelopes and compare signatures so that we can find out for sure how many bad fraudulent ballots got through in, in that way of basically cheating or breaking the rules. Another way is through uh, one of our whistleblowers at Runbeck, which is the company that prints out all of our mail-in ballots. This whistleblower brought us through a series of events that allowed basically nearly 300,000 ballots to get into the system and be counted as if they were legal when they have no chain of custody marking where those ballots came from. Chain of custody and signature verification are the only two security measures we have to keep fraudulent ballots out of the system. And both of those systems are severely flawed, or at least they were in the 2022 election. And we do have evidence in the 2020 election as well. So this is an area that we have to take very seriously if we're going to continue or even consider continuing with mail-in ballots. Yeah, amazing. And I think for a lot of people, you know, this election 2022 came in the middle of trying to fix problems from the 2020 election. And and another one of the whistleblowers who came forward... uh, 
said that there were, what, 25,000 new ballots that just appeared two days after the election. Are those the ballots you were talking about? Yeah, Amanda, and this wasn't even a whistleblower. We just detected this ourselves. Uh, it, it just shows you the chain of custody problems and failures. 25,000 additional ballots, early voting ballots, were discovered two days after Election Day. And we don't know what, where they came from. I mean, these are mysterious 25,000 ballots that just showed up. It shows the whole system has serious problems. We know for a fact that Democrats tend to vote more likely through early ballot, uh, early voting ballots. And we know that Republicans who are a little more leery of the system vote on Election Day. And in the 2022 midterm election, what we're seeing is that many, many uh, loosening and weakening of the various security measures for mail-in ballots were weakened, which would give the Democrats and their voters a advantage. And conversely, where the Republicans vote on election day, it was made nearly impossible with almost 60% of the election day voting centers having computer problems, having printer problems where the ballot printers were not working or the tabulators were not working. And there were long lines anywhere between one and we've even been told five hour lines. So they made it much more difficult for Republicans to vote and they made it easier for fake false ballots to be included in the final count. And when you do that, you water down the legal count, the legal vote. Yeah, that's right. Disenfranchised people who actually cast real votes. The um, your lawsuit reads like a great piece of journalism. It's so specific. It has a (laughs) lot of factual citations. You know where everything came from. Uh, In addition to going through the courts, have you been able to engage the legislature so that long term fixes? I mean, some of these problems go back a decade now, right? We keep having the same bad groundhog movie in Maricopa County. Are there some people in the legislature ready to work with you to also fix this long term? I hope so. I've had some conversations. I'm greatly concerned because obviously if we don't, we had a chance to fix this. We had a Republican legislature and Republican governor and really nothing got done. And it's a shame that that happened. Uh, I worry if we don't win in the judicial system, we'll be saddled with a leftist governor who didn't win sitting in the chair. And that concerns me and Arizonans greatly. This is the battle we need to fight right now. We need to get behind this lawsuit because we can't have people being installed in our government. The voters of Arizona are furious what happened. They showed up to vote on election day. They were disenfranchised. We're finding out from one of our uh, cyber experts who, who spent nearly a decade, John and Amanda, working for the company that, uh, electronic test the electronic voting machines i'm checking out his quote because i want to make sure i get it right the same company that tested the lab and certified the machines for maricopa county and he says the machine failures on election day could not have occurred without intentional misconduct that's a serious allegation to be made by somebody who is incredibly uh, talented and has an expertise in these machines we're finding out that Katie Hobbs, who oversaw the state elections and the men who oversaw Maricopa County elections, both had conflicts of interest when it came to trying to defeat me. And there were a plethora of problems just peppered along this entire 22 midterm election to prevent a candidate such as myself from winning, even though we have a massive movement. We have to address these problems. It is of utmost importance. The public has no faith 
in our election systems anymore. And if we don't address this now, I really, truly do fear for the existence and the survival of our republic. Yeah, the eyes of an entire country, not just Arizona, are on this lawsuit. Carrie, thank you so much for the update. We're going to be following this very closely over the next few weeks. A lot of important history ahead of us. Truly. Thank you so much, Amanda and John. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. So glad that you can join us. A lot of big stuff going on today. A lot of news. We're going to have it covered all through the day and night. Expect some more developments, including on the Cary Lake lawsuit front. Natalia Middlestad will have us covered on that. Check it out at justthenews.com. And of course, if you want to sign up for those amazing firearm safety courses and be a better, safer, smarter, better trained, muscle-memoried Second Amendment advocate, Go to ffcourse.org today and sign up. They're inexpensive. They're smart. They're enjoyable. You do them from the comfort of your homes. What a difference. I'm telling you what a difference it makes. All right. That wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. God bless you. Have a great night. God bless this extraordinary country. As he always has, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text JUSTNEWS to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text JUSTNEWS to 989898 right now.